Remain standing for the gospel lesson, and the gospel lesson is found in John's Gospel, chapter 3. And I will be reading verses 1 through 21. This is then the great account of the new birth. Hear God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God, the word of the Lord. The head of Deutsche Bank, the head of their global division and research division that does prognostications about the future, evidently must be very concerned about what is going on in Europe and with the European Union. And um, he is fearful that, that things are going to 
degenerate, collapse. And so uh, in a recent speech, he said something to the effect that Europe needed something to rally around. And it couldn't be just any person or any institution. It must be a figure that all accepted. And then he mentioned the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this probably comes from a fellow who is a Muslim, who in fact might be secretly a Christian. I don't know. But at least it seems to me that he began to speak truth to power. That Europe's problems, or our problems, or the problems of this world, are not simply economic, but they are spiritual and moral. No name in European history has shaped that part of the world than the name of Jesus Christ. But for the last hundred years, that name has been depreciated more and more and more, not just simply ignored, but in some places even cursed and mocked. And we know what has happened in Europe in the past hundred years and what has happened in our world where there is a wholesale rejection of that which is good and true and holy according to the epistle lesson. Now, I introduce this sermon this way because regardless of the state of faith or belief of the one who said those words, he at least puts his finger on the problem. At our deepest level, our problems are spiritual and moral. They are not simply economic. They are not simply whether you have an opportunity or not. Those are important things. But at the deepest level of every human being, of every nation at its core culture, the problems are always moral and spiritual. Now, Jesus certainly teaches this in chapter 3, which happens to be the text for today, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And I want you to see how this unfolds. Remember, this is an evangelistic sermon, and it is to speak to all of us about our needs. And in this case, Jesus said that everyone needs to be born again. And he goes on to say this to Nicodemus. Who is Nicodemus? Well, he is part of the ruling class. He was a Pharisee. And so in chapter 3, we have an encounter of Jesus with this member of the ruling class in Jerusalem. And he was part of the 6,000 who were Pharisees. And so in this sermon today, I want you to understand that if we are to enter, and this is what Jesus says, if we are to enter the kingdom of God, if we are to experience true life, authentic life, eternal life, it must come about through a new birth. In other words, eternal life with God requires us to experience another kind of birth than our ordinary birth. And so the need for a new birth is basic to Jesus' teaching. Now, it is true that you can find a conception of new birth in almost any religion, or sometimes even in uh, particular philosophies. 
But when Jesus is talking about a new birth, it is on a whole different scale and order than what most people would think in these religions or understand. The need for new birth then is basic in Jesus' teaching. Nicodemus, this Pharisee, came to Jesus by night to meet him and to question him. Now, nothing is ever accidental in the text. It just doesn't happen that Nicodemus comes at night. Let's say he had too much to do that day. And uh, he was hoping to get off at work at five o'clock and then go see Jesus. That wasn't the case. I want you to notice here that he came at night and over and over in this text, Jesus talks about darkness. In fact, he came by night because in a real sense, he is in a state of moral darkness. It's not that he doesn't want to be seen by other Pharisees because, or other people. He didn't do it just in a secret meeting because he actually says we. He's representing a group representing a consensus, an opinion. But he comes to Jesus by night, and he may not recognize the moral darkness there, but all through the text, Jesus talks about darkness and about light. And he comes and he says, we know you are a teacher sent from God, and then he lists some works. Now, exactly what he meant, we know you are a teacher sent from God, it surely does not mean that he recognizes Jesus at this point at the Messiah. I'm happy to say that Nicodemus appears twice more in the book of John, and he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, was responsible for Jesus' burial. So I happen to think he may have come around. But he does go away in darkness in this particular encounter. But he says, we know you are a teacher sent from God by what you are doing. He's simply saying that you're like John the Baptist, at least. We know you're doing something of the works of God. And so we can't dismiss that, what is going on in your life and in your ministry as a rabbi. But Jesus doesn't really address that. And you can read this over and over and you will notice that Jesus is rather gruff with him rather direct, rather straight on. Now, when you turn over to chapter four, you'll notice that when Jesus encounters the woman at the well, he could not be more gentle. That's what she needed. She was beaten down by life. She was aware of her moral deficiencies, but not Nicodemus. He is a man of great intellect and learning. No doubt he had experienced a great deal of success in life and he was quite confident And so he comes as one rabbi to another to ask him more of what he is about. Maybe he was actually sent as a representative of the group. I doubt it, but it could have been. And so he comes to Jesus and Jesus cuts to the chase immediately in verse three by addressing his spiritual need. It is abrupt. It is a change of subject. He does not go down the path that Nicodemus wants to talk about. But he immediately says to him, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth in verse three, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the response that Jesus gives to his visit 
in the night. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is absolutely puzzled by this. He says, how can a man be born again? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. But Jesus persists and look in verse five. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, what Nicodemus has encountered here in some ways is is somewhat of a mild rebuke, or it could be even stronger if we were there to see the dynamics. Jesus then talks about two births here. He talks about a natural birth, and this is symbolized by the water breaking And the child is born of the mother's body. That's one birth. Nicodemus could not get past that. That, of course, anyone can understand. It's the second birth that gets him. He is hung up on this. As a matter of fact, Jesus implies in the text that he should have known about this. He says, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know about these things? There is a new birth in the Old Testament, by the way. It's called the circumcision of the heart. But Nicodemus has forgotten all about this, or they're not teaching it in his day. That's kind of passe. I don't know. But Jesus speaks to him clearly and plainly. Verily, verily, I say to you, you must be born again. It's emphatic. He could not be more emphatic And Nicodemus is still puzzled. He says, well, how can a man my age be born again of the spirit? What are you talking about? Now, what is interesting is in the text, there is a word in Greek. It's called anothen. And that word means two things. First of all, let me say there is no Hebrew or Aramaic word that exactly fits this word. And secondly, there is no English equivalent either. This word means two things at the same time. It means repeated or again, but it also means from above. It's a preposition that means from above. It can also mean for again. When Jesus says, you must be born again, he's really saying to him, you must be born again from above. You must be born again from above. This is what puzzles him. What in the world are you talking about? So Nicodemus then, of course, ends with a question, and he demonstrates that he is not able to have a breakthrough and have understanding. He doesn't really come to an understanding of this. And so the question is, why is Jesus insistent upon Nicodemus needing to be born again? Well, Jesus is really saying in this text, apart from the new birth, we remain in our moral and spiritual darkness. Remember, the Gospel of John opens up with the category of darkness and light, of life and death. And he continues it in this conversation with Nicodemus. 
But Jesus emphatically says from him, apart from the new birth, we remain in our moral and spiritual darkness. We, in other words, remain in our sins and our sins are not forgiven. Nicodemus then came in darkness and we see at the end that he still leaves, if you will, in darkness in his understanding. It is something that he cannot penetrate. I remember some time ago, and some of you will know the name of Walter Cronkite. In the uh, 60s or 70s, probably about 72 or 3, when I first uh, heard this, Walter Cronkite was, if you will, kind of making fun of those Christians that were talking about the new birth. And he said on one of his national broadcasts, and he had practically held the day, he had very little competition. And he said this, he says, I'm a once-born Episcopalian. Because someone had said they were born again, and he says, well, I'd like for you to know I'm a once-born Episcopalian. And apparently, apparently he didn't understand the new birth either. Well, Nicodemus did not know, and I want you to notice what Jesus says to him. He says, you can only speak about what you know. And that's true for all of us, isn't it? You can only speak about what you know. I can't speak very much about particle physics. There was a report out of uh, Geneva at the, the great cyclotron at CERN. And the scientists there report now that they believe that they absolutely have discovered the God particle. The secret to understanding particle physics is called the Higgs boson. Now, I, I can say some words and I do understand just the barely the surface. But if we go any depth in this, I am lost. I can only speak of what I know. That's true of every person, isn't it? You can only talk about what you know. And if you don't know the new birth, you can't talk about it. But Jesus says, I can talk about it. And that's why he goes into this particular passage where he says, I came from the Father here, and I will go back again. But since I have come from him, I can speak about heavenly things. And he says, you need to be born again. Emphatically. Now here is the deduction that I make. And I think it's inescapable. Every person who is truly Christian, every person who is in the kingdom of God has been born into it through a new and spiritual birth. It may not be some kind of experience or feeling or anything like that, but something has happened from above in your heart and life to give you the eyes of faith to behold your interest in Jesus Christ. Any of you know George Whitfield? I'm sure some of you do. George Whitfield is called the Great Itinerant. Back in the colonial era, he came over from England, this Methodist preacher. And he came, a friend of John Wesley, he was Welsh. And he probably was a much greater preacher than any of the Methodists, including John and Charles Wesley. But he preached up and down these shores. Now, what is interesting about Whitfield is that he came from a theatrical family. 
And he came over here with about five memorized sermons and he could act them out and speak them so clearly and so forcefully that they were extremely effective. Totally memorized. He even memorized his gestures. He had it all down. And he went up and down this this eastern seaboard and one of his sermons was, you must be born again. And so one fellow who had followed him from, I believe, Boston all the way to Philadelphia finally says to him, he says, you keep preaching on the same sermon. You must be born again. And he says, why do you do it? He says, well, because you must. It's that simple. And that's what Jesus is saying. There is no alternative. If we are to see the kingdom of God, to experience it, to have a hope of eternal life, it comes through new birth. The earth cannot inherit it in its darkness. We must come to that light. Well, how can this be? Well, we know that our natural birth comes through the body of our mother. But our spiritual birth also comes through a body. It comes through the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see how this takes place in the text. Jesus said, if I be lifted up over and over in this gospel of John, I will draw all men unto me. And when he gets to this passage of scripture, he begins to talk about what it means to be lifted up. Look at verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from it. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And what he's saying here in the word lifted up, and it too, like new birth, is a double entendre. Jesus would on Good Friday, be lifted up on the cross. He would be ridiculed and he would be mocked. But something was taking place on that cross that heaven recognized as fundamental to the human condition. And as he was lifted up, he also here in this passage is speaking not only of his death, but of his resurrection and his ascension on high when the word lifted up also means to be exalted on high. We are saved through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross. And if you read verse 15, you begin to see more of what he is talking about, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now here comes the greatest verse in the Bible, no doubt. The greatest verse in the Bible. Why would Jesus go through all of this? Jesus gives us the reason. He says it's out of the great love of God. God has a great love for this world. The word used here is cosmos and it means sinful fallen world. Look at verse verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so the new birth, which is from above, 
is because of God's great love for us that was demonstrated to us in Jesus Christ. It is through God's great love. Now the question is, how do I receive that? How do I receive it? How do I know that I am born again? Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. There are two things I want you to recognize in this text. First of all, there is no wiggle room for you to get around it. There's absolutely no wiggle room. You either come to faith in Christ or you do not. You either are born from above or you are not. You either are in the kingdom of God or you are not. You say, Pastor, I don't like that kind of exclusive preaching. Well, let me say I'm only reiterating the words of Jesus. Honestly, these are, these are not opinions I came up with. These are opinions or these are ideas or this I came to because I came to Christ. And since I confess him as Lord, I also confess that his teaching is true. And here is what is he teaching about the moral and spiritual condition of the world. You must be born again. You must look to me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. You are born again when you receive Christ by faith and look to him. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. What is your hope in life? What do you look for? You know, we don't really have any control over our birth, do we? I didn't sit down and agree with my mother beforehand that I was going to be born. And you didn't either, did you? And really, I don't have any control over my death. Every one of us in this room will be there. Now, I may have some control in some of the decisions I've made about how long or, or when, but actually, I have no choice about that it will happen. So the big events of life are out of my control. The only question is, what do I believe in between? Who do I look to? Shakespeare says we're all inside of a little parenthesis. How do you get out of that? It is only through the new birth that you have hope beyond the grave by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way because no other one has ever come from heaven and no one else has ever ascended back on high. We must receive Christ to be saved. I want you to notice how momentous this decision is. There is no wiggle room. It's forced on you. But it is absolutely momentous. Someone has said you can go to heaven without money, without health, without your mind, without anyone ever loving you except God. But you can't go to heaven without Christ. And so that's what's being said here as clearly as it can be said. And here's the final point, And this is ominous. Jesus came out of God's great love. 
God is offering every one of us his love in Jesus Christ. But that's also a crisis, a decision, a judgment. It was God's great love that judged Jesus Christ in our place for our sins. But if we reject that judgment, then we will stand for ourselves in our own judgment. It is out of God's love that we're forced to either accept God's judgment on Jesus Christ for our sins or to accept the judgment for our own sins. Let our sins be on our heads. There is no other way. Friends, I, I, I want to ask two or three questions. Answer them in your heart. Have you truly come to faith in Jesus Christ where you know that your interest, your hope, all your eggs are in that basket and that there's no other way? Have you come to that place? Have you come to the place in your life that you know that your sins indeed will condemn you and you will be judged apart from the cross of Jesus Christ? This is the gospel. The gospel is this, that God was in Christ bringing the world to himself. And if you receive God's love in Jesus Christ, you can rest assured that you have been born again, which you must be. Praise be to God, who gives us new birth in Jesus Christ. Amen.